Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. to talk about the fact that Mick Foley got thrown off the hell of the cell at King of the Ring 98. I don't want to talk about the fact that Stone Cold Steve Austin lost his WWF World title at King of the Ring 1998. I don't want to talk about any of that. I want to talk about the fact that in the build to this pay-per-view, Kane took some kind of device, he stuck it in his throat, and he went, if I lose at the show, I will set myself on fire. I mean, what the hell was going on? I don't mean the fact that this was the stipulation. I mean, what the hell was WWE thinking when it came to his voice? Now, do not get me wrong. When I was a kid, a stupid fetus, I thought this was the greatest thing I'd ever seen because I truly believed that Kane was the undead brother of The Undertaker who, beneath his mask and outfit, was terribly, terribly burned and terribly, terribly scarred. I thought he dressed like that all the time as well. So he went to the gym, when he went to the shops, when he went to family dinner, Although, to be fair, he probably didn't go to too many of them, but it was tremendous. That aside, though, of course, yes, King of the Ring 1998 is home to the Hell in a Cell match between The Undertaker and Mick Foley, and this really is one of the most famous wrestling matches in the history of the damn sport. The crazy part is the one thing we all remember was 100% planned, because as Mick sat down to watch the first ever Hell in a Cell between Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker, he turned to Terry Funk, who had joined him, and he was all like, man, how am I going to make this one stand out? The Bad Blood 1997 thing is so good, I know I will have The Undertaker grab me, chuck me off the top, and fingers crossed, hopefully I'll just fall through a table. That is mad. Let's think about this logically too. Foley isn't a stuntman. Foley wasn't able to practice this beforehand. And if you go and watch it right now, you should on Peacock or the WWE Network, you will see how close his head comes to that steel barrier. And if Skull goes into that thing, well, we may be telling a very different story today. Because the story isn't the fact that he actually got this right. The story isn't the fact that he didn't get this wrong. Because if you got some kind of statistician and you said, oh man, work out the numbers, they would have gone, you absolutely should not be launching a human being from there because my stats and numbers say, that's me doing the stats and numbers, that he's going to be dead. As for the second bump, well, let's just say that Foley was a lucky pup because nobody thought that one was going to happen and they just assumed that the steel mesh would hold. For goodness sake, you've got Mick Foley and The Undertaker up there. Why didn't someone go and test it? So even though Mick was meant to land on top of the cell after that choke slam, instead he went through it and the impact was so devastating, even The Undertaker, the flipping Undertaker, the dead man, the zombie, was all like, oh, I think I've just made a terrible mistake and Mick Foley may be deceased. Do you want to know why WWF rings were made softer after this? It was because of what had happened. Everybody looked at it and thought, that was absolutely disgusting. Let's ensure that we never do anything like that again. That's barely all of it too, but we shall talk about it later. And it kind of destroyed your brain that this was only the second Hell in a Cell match that we'd ever done. 
honestly, I must have seen it 572 times and it just never gets old. What else can we say though? It must have been incredible to see it live and 17,000 people in Pittsburgh did do that and around about 325,000 people saw it on pay-per-view. But let's go to the King of the Ring 1998 and let's up those doubts. Right, I'll tell you who I feel sorry for when it does come to the King of the Ring 1998. Everybody that is not called The Undertaker or Mick Foley. Because honestly, give it a second. Sure, you remember Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Kane, but try and come up with another match. Your brain just goes, oh my gosh, Mick Foley got chucked off the top. You're like, oh yeah, he did. No one else even matters. This is even worse for our opening match because we're told we didn't even plan for this. We just threw it together at the last minute. And the proof of that is that it's Takamishinoku and the Headbangers take it on Kai and Tai. But I tell you this, I had a rollicking good time up. This was mostly down to Taka and Funaki who give you a window into 2021 wrestling because they are just going at 100 miles an hour and pulling off moves that you never saw in the World Wrestling Federation. And Dick Togo gets in on this. He does that sliding under the ring into a Hurricane Rana thing to the outside. Nobody was doing the sliding under the ring Hurricane Rana flippy doo dah to the outside in 1998, at least not in WWF. It would have blown your mind. It did me, because once again, stupid kid. What's the Thrasher a crazy over two? I mean, at one point they just bounced on the ropes and everyone's like, oh my God, they bounced on the ropes. So no wonder a couple of hours later, they lost their mind when a human being was launched into space. Finish comes after Taka pins Funaki with the Mushunoku driver, which makes all the sense in the world. And I was pleasantly surprised by this. And we don't talk about Taka Mishinoku enough. We all know that Funaki is SmackDown's greatest announcer, but Taka, man, that boy can go. We then found out the true meaning of all the bizarreness behind King of the Ring 1998. Good grief. Because out comes Sable to introduce Vince McMahon and his stooges, and just as she's about to leave the ring, Pat Patterson slaps her on her ass. And Sable turns around, and she slaps Pat Patterson around the face, as Jim Ross says, oh, that's uncharted territory for Pat Patterson because of course Pat Patterson was gay. Late 90s WWF everyone. Vinny Mac though proceeds to get the microphone and he just goes on and on forever. He's going, Stone Cold's gonna lose his title. Kane's gonna be the new champion. Let me tell you about this holiday I took in 1988 that I would describe as mediocre. It makes no sense why you would put this onto the pay-per-view but as it turned out, WWF had a bunch of injuries. They had to cut a bunch of matches and cut other matches short. So they needed to fill time so the pay-per-view providers wouldn't be mad. And apparently this is all they could come up with. And yes, it is true because Austin was dealing with a staph infection. I mean, he'd been hospitalized in the days before this and Undertaker essentially had a broken foot, but I did not need a 42 hour long promo. And I definitely didn't need two replays of Pat Patterson smacking Sable's ass. This was painfully dull down. And then remembered that this is the King of the Ring. And I know that sounds dumb, but I will describe my brain's process when I think about this event. But out comes Ken Shamrock and out comes Jeff Jarrett and they are going to have a semi-final within the tournament because again, it's the king of the ring. And I get it, I've got huge problems, but I get told that every day anyway. And look, they don't get more than five minutes and I don't think the crowd cared at all, but I cared mostly because it reminded me how much I enjoy and like Ken Shamrock. Like his whole, oh, I'm so intense and mad character just worked all the time. And if he hadn't have been lured back to the UFC, I truly believe eventually he would have become the WWF champion and I would have been completely cool with this. I mean, he's so nuts too, he goes for a hurricane 
African Rana and Ken Shamrock doesn't need to do that. And admittedly, he does just land straight on his head. But because he was all into like being, I'm gonna transition one move into another move and reverse everything, he gets out of that. He locks the ankle lock onto Jeff Jarrett who taps out. I was going, man, hope Ken Shamrock wins a King of the Ring. And then recalled that I already knew. Honestly though, I would like Shamrock back in the WWE for one last run of something. I think he's an underrated Jeff up. And Jarrett is fine here too. It's during that period where he was with Tennessee Lee and he came out going, ba-da-da, ba-da-da, like he thought he was Ric Flair. But Shamrock destroys all of them afterwards anyway, which beggars belief as to why towards the end of the year, we had him go bad guy and join the corporation. I mean, that really was stupid. Shamrock also cuts a promo afterwards and good work production truck, because all you hear is this because somebody forgot to turn the volume up. The train keeps on rolling though, although it also becomes utterly derailed because our next semi-final is The Rock versus Dan Seven. Let me just set the scene for you a little bit because Rocky is well into his nation of domination run here and about to become the biggest star of the business and do not say mean things about Dan Seven. That guy just had a look on his face that made you believe, especially when he came out with his gray, slightly wet t-shirt. The audience on this night though, definitely did not agree with me because they barely make a peep. This also only goes around about four minutes. So while it destroys me in my insides, we gotta give it a down. It's also filled with nonsense, because even though the referee goes to Carmen Mustafa and Mark Henry, you've gotta to go to the back, they just walk out later like they don't care about the rules. And in this moment, D'Lo Brown returns to the WWF because he'd been off TV selling a rib injury. And that's right, it's the debut of the chest protector. And so many people go, I hated the chest protector gimmick. I'm like, what is wrong with you? We still talk about it today, so we must have done something right. He does hit a massive frog splash though that allows The Rock to get the win. And Jim Ross, knowing it's gonna be a big story, is like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, chest protector. <laughs> He's wearing a chest protector. But also, let's zoom forward to the modern day. How did this thing finish? by distraction. You also got this horrible problem that we missed what the actual story is here. And that's the fact that Dan Seven just got beaten, which never happened. It didn't happen in wrestling. It didn't happen in mixed martial arts, but nobody barely says a thing because when it comes to 1998 Dan Seven, nobody cared. Well, I cared Dan and I always will. We then took this idea of silliness, threw it out the window, had it evolved and it came back as something else entirely. Although to be fair, what did follow has a finish that is so stupid, it kind of became a little bit famous. Because it is the team of Too Much who are soon going to become Too Cool, taking on Al Snow and Head. And this is when you realize, or at least remember, the King of the Ring had way too many stipulations. Because here, if Al's going to lose, he has to leave the WWF forever. But if he wins, he's going to get a meeting with Vince McMahon. Now the issue, apart from the fact that 98% of all matches on this night do have stipulations, is that one, Sable had recently left the WWF forever, but now she was back. And two, Vader had lost a you can never wear your mask again match. And as you're about to see in a few minutes, Vader was here and he was wearing his mask. So if you truly believed that Alstar was going to lose and leave the WWF forever, well, you just way too gullible. It keeps getting more and more bonkers as well because there's another stipulation because we have a special guest referee because just before the match is about to start, Howard Finkel goes, I have just been told we have a special guest referee and it is dun 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 dun. 
Jerry the King Lawler. Because he stands up from the commentary booth, proud as punch, and of course we were doing this because Jerry Lawler is the secret dad of Brian Christopher. I mean, it wasn't a massive secret, but that was the joke. From here though, we kind of take a 180 because not only is Jerry the King Lawler doing that whole I'm a bad ref gimmick, so he's doing one, two, three fast counts and refusing to do any kind of pinfall when Al Snow has it won, the entertaining end to this, if we can call it that, well, it just tickles me. For starters, we have a hot tag two head, so try and work that one out. And because it is the legal thing, Brian Christopher goes outside the ring. He finds a head and shoulders bottle. He attaches that two head, which of course means it now has shoulders, and he pins it for the three count. I mean, who the hell came up with that? However, you know that whole, oh man, it was so bad, it was actually quite good. I think that sums this up. I mean, even Jim Ross is horrified because he basically goes, that was the shittest thing I've ever seen, <laughs> but I certainly wasn't bored. And I couldn't quite believe that anybody had allowed this to air on my television. So I had a great time, even though it was absolute pants. I'm giving it love. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A totally different vibe followed because it was X-Pac versus Owen Hart. And I'm sorry, no matter what universe you enter, that is never going to be bad. As always, we do talk about X-Pac on retro ups and downs. We have to remind ourselves that here we have a wrestler who totally believed if I take my groin and launch it into my opponent's face, I think I may be able to win. And we've kind of been documenting that here on retro ups and downs. And so far, it has caused zero wins. Despite the fact that these two are great and could have just wrestled for 15 minutes before we got a winner too, instead we had to employ the shenanigans. Because Mark Henry is back out again trying to support Owen Hart, who was in the nation of domination here, so to balance it out, China's here too. It doesn't work as Henry still gets the splash onto X-Pac, but then he starts arguing with China and the referee can't handle this, and then all of a sudden Vader is here and he hits Mark Henry with so much force, even he falls down, and then back in the ring, Owen Hart has the damn match one with the sharpshooter, but again the official, this is too much for his poor brain, he's just running around like, oh, I don't know what to do. China then decides, well, I'm just gonna sneak away and give Owen Hart a DDT because no one's watching. And my word, this must be the most devastating DDT ever because around about five minutes later, X-Pac makes the pin. The referee very handily turns around and he counts the pinfall. Honestly, I've never seen a DDT beat anyone that easy. So yes, the ending to this is such a mess, but the core is really, really good, mostly because Owen Hart is an excellent wrestler. And then it was time to waste more time. Good grief. Now we did use Paul Bearer for this, and I do love Paul Bearer, especially when he's going, damn you Undertaker, damn you straight to hell. 
makes me laugh. Unfortunately, he doesn't say anything new, even from a today perspective, because he just starts going, Kane had to stay at my house, and nobody knew where he was, and he would watch WWE superstars, and want to be a wrestler. I'm not kidding, that's actually what he tells us. Kane used to watch crappy BWWE shows. It just goes on too long though, and it's not pay-per-view material. I was getting bored. Again, as I've heard you say these things a thousand times, Paul Bearer, even though yet you are entertaining, but it shouldn't be on pay-per-view. Down. Unannounced match number two is next. This is kind of bad. The major reason for this as well is because you have Bart Gunn and Bob Holly, who have been dubbed the new Midnight Express. And we know when it comes to professional wrestling, you cannot be the new of anything because the fans look at you and say, well, you're a part of crap. Why are you the new something something? Why don't you be the first you? I mean, why would anybody want this on their shoulders either? Imagine someone debuted today and they were the new Stone Cold Steve Austin they'd probably be killed. They are the NWA Tag Team Champions, which is really strange to see because the attitude here is in full effect, and they're also taking on the New Age Outlaws, who are the WWF Tag Team Champions. And this was kind of nice because we were reminded, oh yeah, Billy Gunn and Bart Gunn used to be a tag team, so at least the past meant something. Today, someone would say something stupid like, I don't think they've ever even met before, and I have to sit here like, I saw them wrestle last week. The final few minutes too, I swear WWF just didn't have any new ideas because Jim Cornette hits Billy Gunn right in the head with the title and then all of a sudden China is back out and she's just stopping everyone from doing anything. She also smacks Cornette right in the balls which allowed the New Age Outlaws to hit a double team move on Bob Holly and they just win. And I can imagine Bob just staring up at the lights thinking to himself, man, first I was a racing car driver, now this, what the hell is next? The next time you do indeed watch King of the Ring 1998 though, just skip this. It's not worth your life and it absolutely is not worth your time. Down. I tell you what it is though, the finals of the King of the Ring tournament between The Rock and Ken Shamrock, these two just had really good chemistry. I always kind of wanted to see a proper program between these two that was for the WWF Championship. We've already gone over that, but I'm absolutely giving it up. We're also building to the future as well with some storylines, because Triple H who had won last year's King of the Ring was on commentary, and because DX The Nation were about to go at it, he walked up to Rocky at one point, and he spat right in his face. He also then goes back onto the announce booth and gets his headset and goes, testes, one, two, three, as opposed to testing one, two, three. And isn't that hilarious? Forget all of that though, because this is absolutely great. I mean, they are trading near falls, and I think they're living in 2021. And the way Ken Shamrock sells his leg, I was a bit like, hmm, maybe he was hurt. There's also a top bit when we do get to the finish where The Rock is able to reverse another Ken Shamrock Hurricane Rana attempt, but because he is just like some weird Tetris guy, when they do fall down to the ground, it turns out The Rock is in the ankle lock, and like everybody else throughout this year, he damn well taps out, meaning that our 1998 King of the Ring is Ken Shamrock. So don't you come around here saying, I don't think they were ever gonna push Kenny. They absolutely were. I don't really know what happened. We can't worry about it now though because it was 23 years ago. I'm not even going to give it a second thought, but this really made me a happy chap. We then move on to our next match. And all I could think was, imagine somebody in the back had said, okay, why don't we break up the hell and the cell in the main event and put the King of the Ring finals in between. Nobody would have given two hoots because yes, it's Mankind versus The Undertaker in the devil's favorite structure. And 
what else can we even say? The most fascinating thing about it though is the fact it will never die. As long as pro wrestling is a thing, this match will always be in the conversation. I mean, it's what you show your non-wrestling friends and they're like, oh, I don't really understand wrestling. And how many times have you gone back to watch it? Every time you do, your eyes just get wider and wider because what the hell is happening? It also made its way into the mainstream. I mean, it's been memed and gifted for days. And really, this raised the bar too high. Because everybody else after it was like, well, now I need to somehow top that. But you can't. It's not possible. So in many ways, it broke the business. It will never age, though. It will never get old. And it's so much more. It's so much bigger than just one person taking a terrifying fall. It also doesn't just get an up. What else can we do? It gets the golden up. Let's move away from that famous bump too. Once again, you've got him going through the damn thing, but you've got the stiff punches, you've got the chair shots, you've got the thumbtacks. I don't know what else they could have come up with to make this any more violent or to make it any more brutal. I mean, it really is like a car wreck you can't look away from. And do you remember what we talked about earlier about Undertaker having a broken foot? Go back and watch it when he does drop in through the hole in the now hell in the cell. He winces when he lands because again, his tootsie toes, they ain't working properly and he still put himself through this. I mean, it's just a laundry list when it comes to WTF trivia. And if you have never watched this, you're not allowed to call yourself a wrestling fan. That's not true, but it is essential viewing. And then you'll just rewind and watch again and rewind and watch again. It's essentially the wrestling equivalent to the Shawshank Redemption movie. I mean, there's almost a sense of release when Mick Foley finally gets tombstoned and we get to the end. And I don't think I'll ever be able to process that this was only the second Hell in a Cell match. And the first one was brilliant, and you can argue which one was best. But when it came to the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, you're done. It's over. You are never going to beat this. It turned Mankind Mick Foley into a flipping legend, and it did the same for The Undertaker as well, because do not get me wrong, this is a two-way dance. And I could honestly watch the throw off the top of the cell through the table a hundred times, and I would see something new on every occasion. How was he able to pull it off? We ain't ever gonna know. Hilariously too, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kane have to follow this. Now actually it turns out all right because WWF had a sleeve up its arm, whatever the hell you do. Because in 1998, everybody just wanted to see Stone Cold Steve Austin. Didn't matter what happened before, didn't matter what was gonna happen afterwards. They wanted that glass to break and they wanted to go, oh my hero is here. So actually, all oh, this is pretty good. It was quite a struggle as well, because as already said, Austin had been hospitalized before this with a staph infection. Do you know how we got round it? Of course you do. Stipulation. Because Kane is going to set himself on fire if he does lose. And it's a little bit like, bro, you don't have to do that. Just accept you won't be the champion. And of course, it's a first blood match, meaning you can't pin and you can't submit. Whoever bleeds first is the loser. We do go to great lengths to ensure the rules make sense though, because it's made very clear, it doesn't matter if you're bleeding on your arm, doesn't matter if you're bleeding from your back, the blood has to come from your skull, and only then will the referee call it. I wanna be that guy. But they don't really talk about that stuff these days, and I really would appreciate it if they did. You also get this bizarre bit where the hell in the cell starts to lower, and while it is insinuated that it's Vince McMahon doing it, I don't think we ever found out for real. So it's just one of those stories that has absolutely no end. And good grief, if you go through the actual era, there must be about 10,000 of them. What will crack you up though, in case you have forgotten, is that Mankind and The Undertaker are involved in this. Why the hell weren't they in a hospital, excuse me, local medical facility, because that's absolutely where they needed to be, not being like, oh, here I come again to do a flipping ankle. But yes, we had stories to build to, so after poor Mankind had been stunned, and honestly my heart broke for this guy, The Undertaker is here, he has a chair, he goes to hit Mick Foley, I'm like, dude, have you not done enough? 
but Mick Foley gets out the way. He cracks Steve Austin in the head. At that very opportune moment, Earl Hebner, who had been bummed, gets to his feet. He sees that Austin is bleeding, so he calls the match, and Kane, Kane, is brand new WWF champion. I just missed out a word. This was a major deal at the time, and yes, of course, it was all done because WWF wanted a proper rating on Raw as the Monday Night Wars continued with WCW. And don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. This had been in the works for ages. They thought we'd take the title off Austin. Everybody will tune in on Monday night. We'll give it back to him. Well, who will hey, Bob's your uncle? King of the Ring does end, though, with Vince McMahon sat next to Sable, a big sign that says, ha ha, I told you Kane was going to win, Steve. And my word, we were about to go all in with this feud. It would also set up Austin versus The Undertaker at SummerSlam 1998. Hopefully one day we can talk about that because I love that match for reasons maybe one day I'll be able to tell you. And I actually think all of this, the show that is, was pretty good. I mean, it lives and dies on those last three matches, but you've got Kane and Mankind and all the craziness. When you do finish it, you pretty much feel sport entertained, which is why overall, I also want to give one last shout out to Mankind and The Undertaker because again, they'd already been through literal hell basically and still came out to do what they had planned to do. They are better people than I. And as always, we end with our Dave Meltzer Wrestling Observer star ratings. He gave the opening tag match two and a quarter stars. Ken versus Jeff got one star. Rock versus Dan got minus half a star. Too Much versus Al Snow and Head got minus two stars. X-Pac versus Owen got two and a quarter stars. The Midnight Express versus The Outlaws got one and a half star. Ken versus Rock moving up in the world three and a quarter stars. The Hell in a Cell four and a half stars on our main event. Three and a quarter stars. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.